Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hey guys, this is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. And this is DW. Uh, you can call me DW. I'm David Walker. Anyhow, uh, I am here with my co-host, uh, my partner in crime, Gina Madeline Thomas. And we are joined by the editor of the Falcoholic, uh, Dave Choate himself. We are talking quickly about the Falcons 2020 NFL Draft first round pick. There was a lot of drama around this because I think there was buzz going into this draft that the Falcons were going to move up. Uh, at one point, I think fans even got it in their mind that the Falcons were going to move up all the way to number two to take Chase Young. That obviously didn't happen. Uh, throughout the night, we thought the Falcons might move up uh, with various teams to take different players that have been rumored to them over the past couple of years or a couple of weeks. Uh, pardon me. I've had way too much vodka. Anyhow, <laughs> the Falcons instead stayed Put, which I think many fans will be pleased by. Um, but they did not take uh, any of the players I think were linked to them. Many people thought C.J. Henderson, uh, he went early. Uh, Javon Kinlaw went early. Um, and they passed on um, Clavon uh, Chason. And instead, they took uh, A.J. Terrell, a cornerback out of Clemson. So, Dave, I want to go to you first surprised whether what are your thoughts on this pick and how do you think this played out for the Falcons? I think they got the guy they wanted. Um, you know, over the last couple of days, um, I saw a handful of analysts saying that Terrell was going to be the Falcons guy. He was sort of a borderline first round guy. Um, I think for a lot of mock drafts, but he sort of fits what they were looking for. They clearly, once they cut Desmond Trufant, were looking for a cornerback. Um, I was hoping they would end up with Kinlaw. I still think maybe they were interested in him but didn't go up to get him. But corner was clearly their biggest on-paper need. Um, without going up to get Henderson or Akuda, you know, Terrell certainly had an argument um, with TCU's Jeff Gladney and LSU's Christian Fulton as the third best corner in the draft. I think a lot of people, um, just judging by my mentions on Twitter right now, were sour on him because of the game against LSU. But we have to remember how good LSU was. Um, he certainly got crisped a few times in there, but he is a good cornerback. I think he's a well-rounded cornerback. I think at worst, he'll be another Desmond Trufant in terms of just being a really good cover corner, pretty good athlete who isn't necessarily a huge playmaker or tackler. Um, but certainly he's got a little bit more upside, I think, than Trufant at the end of the day. So good fit for them. Um, a guy that I think, you know, they couldn't probably have gotten significantly later. So I don't know if a trade down would have made sense. As is typical for the Falcons, it's not the first name that comes to mind here, but um, I don't really have any problems with them targeting him. 
The only issue, of course, is if LSU was able to do that to him, what is the NFC South with some of the coaches and players um, there today going to do to him? So you, you do have to ask that question, and we'll just have to see what happens. Yeah, and I think that's fair. And I think it's also fair to say that, you know, one game shouldn't define a player uh, entirely. Uh, and, and certainly uh, he was not the only player that struggled to stop LSU's offense in that game. So uh, it remains to be seen. I don't know enough about him to say one way or the other. Uh, this was a bit of a surprise. Obviously, I think many of us uh, in the Falcoholic writers chat were thinking chase on since he had obviously been mocked to the Falcons uh, for quite a few weeks uh, up to mm-hmm. this point. Uh, so, Gina, your thoughts on the Falcons grabbing maybe the, the third best corner in this draft class? Um, it fills a position of need, obviously, with Trufant gone. Um, you know, I think that he has the attributes that Quinn looks for in a cornerback. He's got the, the height. He's got the athleticism. He certainly has the speed with the 4 440. Um, one thing that I just found out reading a scouting report about him um, from our Clemson site, Shaking in the Southland. Um, Clemson actually had their pro day before COVID-19 shut everything down. Hmm. And so teams got to actually see him and meet with him in person. And so that may be part of what boosted his draft stock is that he was one of the few players that teams actually got to meet with. So that may have been why there was more competition. The Falcons felt like they had to, make a move for him at 16 instead of trading back. I think that that's my only concern is that so many people had him mocked either toward the end of the first round or into the second round. So I feel like it was probably a bit of a reach, but like I said, the fact that teams actually got to see him in person may have boosted his stock just kind of, you know, unintentionally. Yeah. Um, Dave, let me ask you this. Are you surprised that the Falcons did not, uh, trade up in the first round, or were you expecting them to stay put at 16 the entire time? I did think they would probably consider a trade up for a Kinlaw or a Henderson. Um, I wasn't sure, you know, what they would invest in a trade up like that. I think the trend in recent years has been either Dimitrov in the front office getting cold feet at the price other teams are asking for or just simply not being able to bid up and get those guys. Um, you know, we, we will never know which one that is, but I do think there was a level of interest in getting um, at least Kinlaw and, and potentially some of the guys up in the top 10 of the draft. But at the end of the day, I did think probably the most comfortable thing for them to do would be to stay at 16. Um, you know, I don't think, Dimitrov and Dan Quinn just want to be here for one year. I don't think they thought that, you know, a massive trade up as flashy and splashy as it might've been was the way to stay here long-term. Um, so staying put did feel logical, honestly, with the number of rumors out there and just knowing the Falcons team, I was never even close to 100% sure they were going to actually stay there, but it, it's not exactly a shock that they did. Yeah, and I would say in past years, it seems like the the years where there was a ton of talk about the Falcons moving up were the years where they did stay put (laughs) and vice versa. It seems like when they did want to trade up, um, they generally kept it pretty under wraps, Um, you know, especially the Julio Jones trade, which I think, you know, maybe there were some small rumors that they were thinking about it, but nothing of any substance. So, 
you know, it, maybe they're, they're just like playing opposites <laughs> NFL draft day. Um, Gina, one name I think that, you know, Falcons fans are going to ask about uh, that they're curious about is, is obviously uh, Clavon Chason, the edge rusher out of LSU. Uh, he was a, a name that has been linked to the Falcons extensively in mock drafts up to this point. And obviously Falcons fans are thinking pass rush, pass rush, pass mm-hmm. rush. Uh, do you think that the fact that he, um, in many fans' minds at least, had similarities to Vic Beasley in his play style, in his size, his speed, do you think that weighed on the front office, or do you, or do you think this was them just simply prioritizing cornerback as the bigger need and going after their guy? You know, I think that they are – I think that they know that if they don't have decent coverage on the back end, it won't matter who they add up front. Because if if uh, if receivers have you know twelve seconds to run around um, and not being effectively covered, it doesn't matter. You know they'll never get to the quarterback. They'll always have enough time to make a play. And so I think that that's probably part of it. The pass rush really cannot improve um, if the secondary isn't strong. And the fact that you know Trufant's gone, I think that that did make this an extremely pressing need because they really need the back end to be solid if they want to be able to put pressure on quarterback. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. Uh, and, and many people will argue uh, that it, the front end, uh, the defensive line, will make the back end better. Others will argue that the back end will make the defensive line better. Uh, and I do want to say the Falcons have invested in the defensive line. You know, we don't want to forget that they did sign Dante Fowler, who had you know, 11 and a half sacks last year. So it's not entirely unexpected that they uh, put more priority on, on the back end of the defense. Uh, I think maybe fans had just gotten in their minds that this was not going to be a pick that they would make. But uh, as it stands right now, the Falcons have, have made that pick, and they're going with uh, A.J. Terrell. So looking ahead, um, Dave, I want to ask you, do you think uh, if a player, let's say like an A.J. Epinesa, is still available in the second round. Let's say he we get through the first round. Uh, he doesn't come off the draft board. He was obviously someone that was linked to the Falcons early in draft season until his combine happened, and, and a lot of people were disappointed by that. Do you think that they may still target a pass rusher like him if he is available uh, on day two? Yeah, I think he's a definite possibility. I I strongly suspect that the second day is going to bring either a defensive lineman or a linebacker and maybe a center if they want to address that future need. Mm-hmm. So I think Epinesa, I think uh, Justin um, Matabike from Texas A&M, you know, the Falcons have talked again and again this offseason about the depth at defensive tackle in particular and along the defensive line more generally in this draft class. I think there's no reason to suspect that they won't try to address that on the second day because they were pretty quiet there in free agency by and large. Um, I like Steve means a lot and I like Dante Fowler, but the two of those guys alone aren't enough to make a, a great defensive line, even with the pieces the Falcons already had. So I think they'll strongly consider investing in one of those guys. If they're available, I think they'll strongly consider moving up a little bit for one of those guys. If they think that's the player they need again, they they still need help at two levels of the defense. Um, Arguably they even need help at safety considering that they don't have anybody under contract a year from now. So, 
it wouldn't surprise me at all. Any direction they went on defense on the second day, but Epinesa, where his draft stock has been damaged by his, uh, you know, combine performance and the fact that he can play inside out for this defense, I think is a strong bet to be drafted if he somehow lasts all the way there. Yeah. Uh, obviously a lot to play out <laughs> over and we are recording this uh, just to be clear if, if anything happens and this gets outdated immediately uh, we're recording this literally right after the Falcons made their pick so please don't come back after us and say hey Epinesa is gone if that happens uh, clearly we're, we're trying to look ahead just a little bit uh, Gina any last thoughts do you think uh, second round third round do you feel like they still need to focus on defense at this point or do you think that they could start looking, as Dave mentioned, towards the center of the future or even the left guard position, which is arguably still the most unsettled position on the offensive side of the ball? Well, um, you know, the Falcons did have a big need um, at cornerback, but like Dave, I guess you said, um, you know, they might even need a safety. They, they really need to shore mm-hmm. things up on defense. And, you know, the offensive line, I mean, yes, that guard spot is still a problem. But this year, if McGarry stays healthy the whole time, and so does Lindstrom, like I think that now that those guys have a year under their belts, I think that they'll be a little bit more stable. That should make it easier for whoever is in that guard spot um, if the rest of the line is playing well and cohesively. And, yeah, so I just feel like I would rather see the team focus exclusively on defense in the early rounds um, if they could get um, Epinesa. Is that how you say his name? Uh, close enough. <laughs> okay, good enough. Um, that's, that was my best effort. I'm doing my best. It's been a long day. Um, but, yeah, like if they could get him in the second, I would be delighted. Yeah, especially when you think about the fact that he was linked to the Falcons as their first-round pick in the early mock drafts. Um, and obviously his, his combine caused some concern. But, again, he's a player that I think – uh, his production through college was pretty consistent and pretty great. So uh, I, I'd hate to see a, a player like him who had a, a very good, very strong college career get knocked down simply because of combine numbers. Um, yeah. And again, you know, I think a couple of years ago, <laughs> the Falcons were being linked to, um, oh, Isaiah Oliver in the first round. And obviously that didn't happen, but they did loop back around in the second round and pick him up. Um, so, you know, sometimes these connections with players do pan out. They just don't always play, play out in the round that we expect them to. Right. So Dave, uh, real quick, any last thoughts on this pick, what you expect to see in the next couple days of the draft? Yeah. You know, obviously I'm not like blown away by this pick. I think Terrell did have a bad game by and large against LSU I think he, you know, doesn't quite have the upside of a Henderson. Um, he's certainly not as good as a Kuda, but, you know, he's a good pick. I, I think that at minimum, I'd expect him to kind of be the kind of player in this defense that Desmond Trufant was. And we all know that I thought Trufant was underrated by the fan base for years. Um, so I, I'd be pretty happy with that, honestly, even at 16. So I think it's a, a solid defensible pick. And if all goes well, it'll be a lot more than that. Um, I think on the next day or two of the draft, the Falcons, you know, they they don't want to be purely needs-based, but they indicated with this Terrell pick that, you know, they are thinking about that. And so go defense, go heavy. Um, You're going to lose, you know, your starting safeties and your backup safeties a year from now, potentially. You still don't have enough pieces on the defensive line. 
there are a lot of great mid-round linebackers sitting out there. I fully expect, aside from, you know, maybe that random picket running back or wide receiver to add some talent, um, that they're going to address the trenches and they're going to address linebacker the next couple of days. And if they do that effectively and they get a couple of guys who, even if they aren't starters, they can play plenty of quality snaps, you know, this team still could be pretty good in 2020. And I think the the only way that everybody's getting out of this unscathed and we're getting out of this pandemic a little bit happy with this football team is if they can contend next year. And I think they've taken some important steps toward doing that. Um, and even if a little bit of it was pop and, and sizzle with, with guys like Gurley and Fowler, there's still that chance. So, you know, they have to take the Terrell pick, consider cornerback all set, and then just move on from here and address the rest of the defense. Yep. Uh, Gina, any final thoughts before we close out this first round podcast? Um, yes. I just hope that they don't do anything stupid for the rest of the round. <laughs> well, I, I would not put money on it. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would not bet against the Falcons, especially in this economy. Um, <laughs> I got to hold on to every penny, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, you are not kidding. All right, Dave, tell our listeners where they can find you, what you've got going on, and uh, some news about the site. Yeah, um, I'm on Twitter at the Falcoholic. Um, on the Falcoholic website, the next few days we'll be covering the draft live, losing sleep, slowly descending into madness. But <laughs> we'll have a lot of good stuff for you. Um, Roundtables, uh, analysis of all the picks. We'll hopefully be talking to our college sites, including the Clemson site, to learn more about A.J. Terrell. And um, then we'll take you through the undrafted free agents. And then I'm excited early next week to uh, – share um, something our Evan Birchfield wrote about an interview with Morton Anderson um, about the Falcons, the state of kicking in the NFL and some other cool stuff. So we'll have a lot of stuff for you even after the draft is over. Fantastic. And Gina, remind our listeners where they can find you, what you've got going on. Um, They can find me on Twitter at Gina Thomas. um, And you can find me occasionally writing stuff on the Falcoholic. I wrote a bunch of stuff or I put a bunch of stuff on the website today, but um, yeah. And I'm running all of SB Nation's 32 NFL sites. So um, I had a couple of articles that were pretty cool. An interview with Ron Rivera that's on Hogs Haven today and an interview with Christian McCaffrey that's on Cat Scratch Reader. So they were both pretty fun. I talked to both guys about how they're holding up in quarantine. Christian McCaffrey told me that uh, the second time he watched the last season of Game of Thrones, it was better. And so that's a theory I might have to test out during quarantine too. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, As for you guys, you can find me on Twitter at FalcoholicDW. You can find updates about this podcast at the Twitter handle FalcoholicPod. And of course, all of our articles at thefalcoholic.com. Stay tuned to this podcast. We will have additional podcasts talking about day two, day three of the NFL draft. And then of course, further analysis uh, where we talk about all of the players the Falcons have taken in the 2020 NFL draft and what it looks like for the upcoming season. Hopefully that happens. So for Dave Choate, the Falcoholic himself, and my co-partner in crime, Gina Madeline Thomas, this is David Walker. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time.